Lord, thank you for gathering us this morning. Please gather us <laughs> in every sense of the term. Help us now to be able to focus on you, uh, to be able to um, uh, lay all distractions aside uh, so that we could hear um, from you. Uh, Lord, we thank you not only for what you will give us this morning, but we thank you for what you've already given us to give back to you. Not only our tithes and offerings that we'll give this morning, but, but our love and our gratitude for what you've done in our lives. We love you, Jesus. And, and, and we thank you for bringing us here this morning. Help us now to hear this brother and sister uh, who you're ministering through in another part of our world. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Go away. I just want to talk. Let's just talk like two friends. You're not my friend. I, I don't even know you. I know. You're right. But I want to be your friend. I think I can understand people like you. No, no, no. You, you, you just want to make me leave. Mr. Fairchild, the retreat is over. All of your friends have gone home now. Well, I don't want to go home. And you can't make me. You're right. You're right, Mr. Fairchild. I, I can't. But I know how it is. You came here, you relaxed, you had fun, and now you don't want to go back to that big, real world. That's right. That's right. I, I, I found a little piece here, and you just want to take it away. No, no, no. I, I don't want to take it away from you. It's just you can't stay in there for the rest of your life. Why not? I like it here. Mr. Fairchild, it was a weekend retreat. You come, you relax, and then you go home. Your family needs you. Your job needs you. Your community needs you. And Grace Baptist Church will be in here tonight. We need that room. Yeah, well, you see, that's just it. Everybody needs me, and I, I'm tired of being needed. I, I just want to stay here and rest. You know, I feel like there's an eternal plan here. I, I feel close to God here. I, I don't feel God where I live. Well, where do you live? Sanford. Well, Mr. Fairchild, can I call you Tom? Sure, but my name's Larry. Okay, Larry, God is in Sanford. I I'm sure of it. I don't know. I've never seen him in Sanford. That's just because you're not used to seeing him working in your community. Well, you know, Larry, it's up to you to help people see God in Sanford. You've got to be that strong voice. Now, if you just come out here, we can talk about all of that. How about it? Well, I've made a list of demands. Okay, well, that's, that's good. That, that's a start, okay. What are they? Well, first of all, um... Oh, okay. I'm never going back to Chuck E. Cheese. That, that place stresses me out. Well, well that's completely understandable. Now, we can work this out. And, and, and taxes. You know, I, I don't want to pay taxes, but if, if I have to, then, then I want an accountant. Bob has an accountant, and, and I want one. Okay. An accountant. Anything else? Yeah. I want a written statement from the president of the Community Soccer League that I never have to coach soccer again. I, I, I want a full lifetime exemption. Okay. Well you, well, you got it, Larry. Now, just come out. And no one will get hurt. I don't know. Larry, come on. Either you're coming out or I'm coming in. No, stay back. I got a pillow and I'm not afraid to use it. Larry? 
you're not going to do that. Now just come out. Give me the pillow. Come on. That's better. Come on. Good. Hey, don't I know you? I don't think so. <laughs> you're, <laughs> you're the guy with the tent. <laughs> so? I've moved on. I've grown. Guess, That's why I'm here at this retreat. Look, yes, look, Larry. Let's I, stay I, back. I'll hit you hard. You're not going to do that. That's not you. You're not that type of guy. You're a decent guy. You're a guy that just got a little stressed out. That's all. But you're going to be okay now. Now just come with me. We can work this out. Now listen, let's talk. Let's talk about the eternal perspective and how you can take it back home, okay? You can be that strong voice. Can you do that for me, Larry? Can you trust in me? Sure. Okay. Hey, but I'm serious about that Chuck E. Cheese thing. Why is it so hard to coax Christians into being a witness in their community? Well, two reasons. Number one, it is comfortable when you're just hanging out with believers. That's, that's a cool thing. But the other one is, when you're trying to be a witness in the community, you get it in the neck. I mean, you can't win. It, in essence, is a trap. Now, if you want to see that, Look in the 22nd chapter of the Gospel of Matthew. And we will see where that trap comes from. And how we need to ignore the trap. And just go on and do what God wants us to do. This is a trap set for Jesus. And beginning in the 15th verse, we can see how very relevant it is today. It says, Then the Pharisees went and counseled together how they might trap him in what he said. And they sent their disciples to him along with the Herodians. Now I want to stop right there. And I want you to consider what strange bedfellows these are. We have the Pharisees, which are the most intensely religious people on the face of the planet at this time. As a matter of fact... They are so intensely religious, you can't please a Pharisee unless you say exactly what they want you to say and agree with them on every issue. Does that remind you of anybody? You know what? The religious right could come real close to this. I get it in the neck more from the religious right than anybody else on the face of the planet because they're so intense. And they're so, you got to be this way on this issue. If you're not this way on this issue, and you're not this way on this issue, then you're not even a Christian. Well, you know what? I love the religious right. I, I love them for two reasons. First of all, I love the fact that they're willing to say, hey, i got an opinion here. I want to make a difference for God. And I love them also because I don't expect much from religious people. I've been a Christian for 25 years. haven't got high expectations of Christians. I mean, as far as, as having it all together, we, we've got to understand this about each other. We've got to admit this about each other and accept each other with, with our foibles, with our problems. 
I, I heard a cute story about Ramon. Ramon is a Spanish young man in school, and uh, and he he had some ang- Anglo friends, some some um, um, English speaking friends, and and uh, Ramon got a C in Spanish, and they were really riding him. They said, Ramon, what's up with you getting a C in Spanish for crying out loud? That's your native language. You ought to get straight A's. And Ramon turned to him and said, so I take it you all get straight A's in English? (laughs) See, just because something is your first language doesn't mean you're good at it. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you're good at it. And we shouldn't expect straight A's from all Christians because they're just doing what they know and they're doing the best they can. And so I know the intensity of the, of the far religious right. And you know why I love many. I spent an hour with a guy on the phone the other night. I swear he had army fatigues on the other end. Of the, had an Uzi there, you know. And I'm thinking, oh, man, you know. But, but I love the fact that he cared enough to say something. And so here, the, here are uh, the, the Pharisees just ready to say to Jesus, now watch this, just give us the religious stuff we need. You know, who cares about the rest of the stuff? We want the religious stuff. We want the religious angle. Now, look at who's accompanying these Pharisees. The Herodians. You know who Herod was. Herod was the purely secular governor. Probably had some Jewishness in him somewhere back along the line somewhere. But he cared about, strictly, the peace and the tranquility of the land. And so they would be coming saying, look, don't be mixing religion and politics. We don't care what you believe. Shut up about your belief. Just pay the tax because that's all we care about. And there are those among us who say, can't mix religion and politics. Now, how how you keep your faith out of your voting, I have no idea. And how people say, this is my favorite, you can't legislate morality. Now, if you mean by that, you can't change somebody's heart by law, you're absolutely right. But if you mean by that legislation has nothing to do with morality, you don't understand legislation. Legislation is morality. I mean, every law we have, it was because somebody thought it was right. And so it's not a matter of whether we have values or not. It's just which values. So, so, but the Herodians would come saying, don't mix religion. Just give us your money and shut up about your religion. And so there is that trap. And then they seem to pose this this snare that is almost flattering Jesus to the point where he's not going to see what they're really about. Look at what they say. Teacher, we know that you are truthful and teach the way of God in truth. Hey, watch, watch this. Anytime somebody's sucking up, watch out. <laughs> and that's what they're doing. They're just kind of flattering Jesus. And, and, and they're flattering, trying to lay the groundwork of if they can get their answer from him, then it is the true answer. And so they're saying, we know that you are truthful and teach the way of God in truth and defer to no one, for you are not partial to any. Tell us, therefore, what do you think? Is it lawful to give a poll tax to Caesar or not? Now, Jesus knew full well what he was walking into there. The Pharisees kind of wanted him to say, no, don't cooperate, it's a corrupt government. And Herodians kind of wanted him to say, you know, yeah, give the taxes. And, you know, we're just, we've got this private little religion over here that really doesn't, it's not a deal. And so, so Jesus, I love this. Jesus looks at him and he knows they've come to do battle. He knows, he knows there's this impending war, but he won't fight it. You know why? 
There's two reasons. Christians, listen to this. You've got to decide what is the most important battle to get into. And you've got to understand that any conversation, any battle you have right now may close an avenue to have a more important battle later or may close a conversation that is much deeper than politics later on. And therefore, to expend all of our sound and fury on political issues and to expend it at the expense of anger, even when it seems to be righteous self-indignation, you've just got to watch that. Because once you start throwing those words out, whether it be toward the Christian right or whether it be toward those that just want religion and politics to stay separate, once you throw those anger words out, you can't take them back. I, I, I heard a story uh, uh, or read a story uh, about a, a little boy who had a temper problem. And, and, and his dad, very wise dad, every time this kid lost his temper, his dad went to him and said, you know what, son, I want you, uh, I, I notice you're losing your tempo, temper, I'm giving you a bucket of nails here, I'm giving you a hammer, and every time you lose your temper, I want you to go back in the backyard and I want you to pound a nail into that fence. And so the kid started to do that. He lost his temper. He'd go back and he'd start, and this is a heavy hammer, you know, heavy nail, you know, and it was a lot of work. So the next day he'd lose his temper. He'd go back and pound the nail. Next day he'd lose his temper, but he's, he was losing it less and less because it was a lot of work pounding those nails and interrupting his temper tantrum by having to go in the backyard. So he finally got to the place where there were a lot of nails all through the fence, but, you know, he was not losing his temper as often and finally even got to the place where he, where he had a day where he didn't lose his temper at all. And he went to his dad. He said, Dad, I didn't lose my temper. And the dad says, well, that's great. As a matter of fact, that is so great. He said, come, come out to the back way. Take a look at that fence. And there's this beautiful wood fence, but it's got these kind of ugly nails all over it. He says, what do you think for every day you don't lose your temper? You get to pull one of those nails out. He said, oh, that'd be good, because that's kind of ugly. I kind of like the wood, but that's kind of ugly. And so he went for a day and didn't lose his temper and then pulled a nail out and went for another day. And finally, he had all of those nails pulled out. And his dad took him back there one more time. And he said, son, I, I want you to see something. You can see the beautiful wood now, but I want you to see the holes are still there. The holes are still there. Every time you say something, you can even apologize for it. You can even pull the nail back out, but the hole is still there. So we've got to watch our anger. We've got to watch what we're saying about other people, whether it be Christian or not, because the hole will be there. And there could be a damage to a relationship that, that could be used for, for more eternal purposes on down the line. And there's also a mentality here. I want you to understand, we understand that that sometimes the battles of the world are put into war, terms of warfare. But it's always spiritual warfare. It's not warfare against people. It's not warfare against people. That's very difficult to, 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 to um, um, remember. But competition isn't the main thing we want to get into. I, I read a story this week. Uh, John Maxwell wrote a book, uh, 21 laws of leadership or something like that. But in that book, there's this neat story about John Wooden. Anybody remember John Wooden, the coach of UCLA basketball team for years and years? And, and, and in that book, Maxwell said, you know, Wooden never scouted the other team. Never scouted the other team. 
He said there's a very good reason for that. The reason was that his goal was not to win a championship. Nor was his goal even to win the game. His goal was to pull out from every individual player on his team the maximum potential of that player. And then to get that team to play together on the floor to their maximum potential and put them on the floor and let the chips fall where they may. In 40 years of coaching, John Wooden had one losing season, his first one. In 40 years of coaching, he had four undefeated seasons at UCLA. He had 10 national NCAA championships. But those were the byproducts of his philosophy of pulling out of people the potential that God had put there. Christians, we're not against. We're for. And if we develop the potential that God's put in us, and we simply live our lives, winning is the byproduct. We've got to remember that. So Jesus did not go after them. I mean, he could... Can you imagine getting in a debate with Jesus? <laughs> I mean, oh my! But he didn't do it. So this is, what's, this is what it says. It says, tell us therefore what do you think? Is it lawful to give a poll tax to Caesar or not? Now Jesus first understood them. He understood where they were coming from. Very important. You've got to understand. You've got to see things from their perspective. But you, you've got to understand also they have a limited perspective. And that's what he said. He said, but Jesus perceived their malice or wickedness or evil and said, why are you testing me, you hypocrites? Now, this word for evil used in the Greek is a very interesting word. Panaria, I've, I've taught this word to you before, comes from paneros. And it means not just wickedness or evil. When it's used throughout Scripture, it means a narrowness. It mean, when you give somebody the evil eye, your eyes narrow, you know, because you're not understanding the hoplos, the generous eye. You're not receiving. You're sending a message. Now, here's what he said. He said, essentially, that day, he perceived that they weren't receiving information. And he called them hypocrites because they were pretending to be one thing, but really being another. They were pretending to want the full and objective truth. But what they were really after was their portion of the truth. What they were really after was just making their own point. They weren't there to receive, they were there to give. And Jesus called them on it. Let me ask you about your understanding of what's happening in the political arena today. Have any of you seen a negative ad from any side, from any side that is not Paneros, that is not pretending to state the facts, but it's really just stating a narrow view so that they can make their own point? Jesus said, that's wrong. That's evil. Because it's pretending to send a message on the fullness of the truth and really, it's propaganda. And this, this is both sides here. Now, having established that, does Jesus step away and say, politics, man, I'm out of it. Man, I'm not going to do anything. No, look what Jesus does. 
this is brilliant. Verse 19, Jesus said, show me the coin used for the poll tax. And they brought him a denarius. Now let me tell you what was on that, that denarius. There were two sides of that coin. The fir- on the first side was the head, much like our coins, was the bust, the head of either Augustus Caesar or Tiberius Caesar, depending on when it was minted. But on the reverse side of that coin was the Caesar, Caesar is a title, it's not a name, was the Caesar sitting on a throne with a crown on his head with the rays of light coming down. And the Latin initials that stood for Pontiff Maxim, which means highest priest. In other words, it proclaimed the divinity of Caesar. Now look what Jesus does. He says, whose likeness and inscription is this? And they said, Caesar's. And he said, then render to Caesar the things that are Caesar. He's holding up the the image side of the coin, the, the face of Caesar. Pay your taxes, he says. Pay your taxes. You know, I know Christians that don't want to pay taxes. Now, go figure on this one. I mean, I can't even understand this. We get the benefits of a government. We get roads. We get military protection from other countries. We get police protection. We have all kinds of benefits. And there are Christians who don't want to pay taxes and then call people on welfare leeches. Now, now how does that compute? I don't know where that comes from. But you will never get the basis from Jesus to not pay your taxes. Jesus says, pay your taxes. Render unto Caesar what is Caesar's. But watch this. Then he flipped it over. And by flipping it over, he denied, he he verbally denied the divinity of Caesar. And he says, but to God, the things that are God's. In other words, don't depend on, on politics for what only God can give you. And don't depend on the government for what only God can give you. And don't give obedience to the government that ought to go to God. You can't mix those two. And so, here's what we have. We have the definition of righteousness. Righteousness, if you were were to do do a word study all through the Bible, the definition of righteousness would be this. Righteousness is meeting the demands of a relationship, whether to God or to men or to governments. Now, if that's true, what does our government demand of us? Our government. Well, our government demands of us three things. And Jesus would say, render to Caesar these three things. This is a form of your righteousness to God. This is a form of your obedience to God. First of all, our government says, I want you to obey the laws. We are to do that unless they were to directly contradict or make us go against God. Number two, our government says, I not only want you to obey the law, I want you to pay taxes for the services you get. Now, we have quarrels with that and where that tax money ought to go, but generally, we need to pay taxes. And the only other thing our government says is vote. I want your voice. Now, listen. Voting is not a purely civic responsibility. It is your spiritual responsibility. 
It is your, it is your devotion to God. It's how you fulfill your relationship to God. It's partly how you fulfill your relationship to God. Now, if I haven't offended you yet, I'll probably offend you right now. My goal is to equally offend everybody in the room. That's how I know my job's done. But I'm actually going to talk about an issue right here in our own community. I know you should, just speak of spiritual principles way up there, and then we'll figure it out for ourselves. Well, I'm going to talk, about, talk to you about spiritual principles. First of all, I want you to know that voting is not about personalities. It's not, it's not about people we like or don't like or anything like that. Voting is not how, how, how much we can charge one person or another to be a bad person. The villainization of the other side is always a non-Christian tactic. You never saw Jesus villainize or demonize the other side, except in spiritual terms. Never against people. Therefore, any kind of, of, of negative ad against another person is not a Christian tactic. Now, by the way, while I'm talking here, let me, let me give you a word about Mark George. Mark George is one of our, one of, I mean, and I would do this for any Christian candidate. Um, but but when, when there's charges made, first thing to do is investigate. I talked with the senior pastor at Community Methodist yesterday. I love that church. I love that man. Nick Thompson is a friend of mine. And he said, you know, they brought, uh, there, there's a charge against the, this uh, Mark George, who's associate pastor there, that there was some deal with a woman. They have absolutely no record of that woman ever even being in the church. I mean, they did, a, they did an investigation of their own immediately. Don't even know, have no idea who this woman is. So you draw your conclusions on that. But the point is, this is not against the owners of the adult business. We're we're, I'm, I'm going to talk about the nudity thing here for a minute. This is not against the owners of the adult businesses. You know, as a citizen of Castleberry, I was invited by the owner of Club Wanna to come there and visit. <laughs> well, let me say a couple things. First of all, I bet you if I met that guy, I'd like him. I bet, I, and I bet he'd like me. This is not about how we could get along personally. I bet we'd like each other. And this is not about whether or not they've contributed some things to the community. Of course, I, I bet they have. Of course. Let me tell you, it's about two things with me when it comes to a public nudity ordinance or yeah. First of all, I could never go into a place like that because those places tempt me. Can I, can I be real honest with you? You know, churches ought to be a place where you can admit your weakness. That's why we're here in the first place, because we've admitted we're sinners. Those places tempt me. Now, the good news is I haven't seen any of that material or been around that for so long that the temptation is fairly weak by now. But I got to admit, when I drive past one of those places, it's not like when I drive past a grocery store. <laughs> no, it didn't. You know, I always hear people say, I always hear people say, you know, the main sin in this country, the main problem we have is materialism. Uh, let me test this. Just you guys, just you guys. Just answer this in your own mind. You don't have to raise your hand or anything. <laughs> There's usually a pawn shop right, be right beside one of those places. I'm not sure why those two are coupled. But when you drive past those places, do you fantasize about the stuff in the pawn shop or the stuff in the girly joint? Yeah. I, I've got to tell you that, that those places tempt me. That kind of material tempts me. Why? I'm a man. I'm a man. And, and, and 
I know what it is to be prone to addiction. My family has a long history of addiction to alcohol. Therefore, I will not touch a drop of alcohol. But my gender has a longer history of addiction to lust. And therefore, I know that just a little bit of that could get me hooked like that. And I will stay as far away from that as I possibly can. We get $8.50 cable so that I won't even be tempted to watch the squiggly adult channels. I'm being honest with you here. I, you, know the, you know the old story about the guy who went in, who went in the, 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 uh, the gas station that he, that he was used to frequenting. He, he, he went in there all the time. And they decided that they, that they were going to um, uh, sell adult magazines. And he went in there the first time and he saw him and he said, Ah, oh, gosh, I'm sorry. I, I just can't come in here anymore. And the attendant said, Why not? He said, so You're selling adult magazines. And the attendant said, Well, I'm sorry if that offends you. And he said, Oh, it doesn't offend me. It attracts me. I've got to confess to you that I know that there's a weakness in me for that. And therefore, I will stay as far away from that as I possibly can. And when somebody presents me. I'm not going to go out in the, in, the, in the community and track down all forms of sin. Who's got that kind of time? I haven't got that kind of time. But when my government puts before me, hey, would you like this near you or far away? I'll say, far away. <laughs> this is not rocket science. Well, you want them with or without bathing suits? With, thank you very much. It's a personal thing. And that's, and that's my duty. That's my duty to, to respond to the government in a way that makes some sense. But, but there's a deeper duty than that. And this is, this is more to the point. Christians, and I'm talking just to Christians now here. Christians, you have a lo higher loyalty than even your government than even the government that you happen to be living under at the particular time. Because as Vernon said, we're citizens of the kingdom of heaven. And therefore, when I vote, I vote like I think Jesus would vote. I can't imagine Jesus giving a break or any kind of help to an industry that has as its principal product lust. I just can't do it. I can't imagine Jesus saying, you know what, I, I know guys go in there, but that's really a relief to society, and, and, it's, and it's just, it's all confined in there. Are you kidding me? You think when you leave there, that view of women is confined? Do you not know that people who leave those places have that same appetite? Only now they're not looking at the girls, they're looking at your wives and your daughters and your grandchildren. And so it doesn't make any sense to me that Jesus would vote for that kind of ordinance. It doesn't make any sense to me that Jesus would vote to help an industry that literally enslaves hundreds of thousands of men. Do you know 43% of all of the hits on the Internet are to sex sites? 43%. Men, be honest about this. And so 
when it comes to me and when it comes to voting, then my vote isn't just what I think would be best for the community just, just on that basis, although it is always that. By the way, I really believe that God will call a number of you into public service because God, because God needs Christian um, office holders just as he needs Christian lawyers and, and Christian um, doctors and Christian preachers. You know, I think he's going to call a number of you there. But let me caution you this. Let me caution you against panerii. Don't ever take an office in order to strengthen only the Christian position. Don't ever pretend to be serving the entire community, but all you want is more power for your group. That is exactly what was wrong with the Pharisees and the Herodians. No, God calls us to serve. But He calls us to serve, watch this, calls us to serve in a way that does not condemn anybody else. You remember in John 8 when the prostitute was brought before Jesus? Jesus was the only one in that entire crowd that not only treated her with respect, but interrupted all of the condemnation of all of the rest of the people. But Jesus was also the one who loved her enough to say, sin no more, sin no more. Christians, let me say something to you. Somewhere along the line, there's got to be a voice where Christians say, that's enough. There's enough lives being destroyed here. So there's enough garbage, there's enough thoughts being perverted. I know men are given a history of relinquishing relationships so that they can go to self-gratification. It's so much easier, so much less work. But somewhere we've got to say, no, no. You ask me, and I'm going to say. Am I for distancy? Yeah, I am. Somewhere there's got to be that voice because that's the voice of Christ. Remember this. I'll say this, and then I'll sit down. I love this story. It's about George Schultz. George Schultz was, was Ronald Reagan's Secretary of State in Ronald Reagan's administration. And George Schultz had a habit. When anybody got appointed ambassador to a certain country, <laughs> George Schultz would bring him into the office. He had this huge, he had this huge uh, 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 globe, and he'd, he'd spin the globe, and he'd say, locate, locate your country for me. And, and, and the person would stop the globe, and if he was ambassador to... to uh, uh, Guiana, he'd point out Guiana, or if, if another guy was an ambassador to Venezuela, he'd point out Venezuela, or, 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 or South Africa, he'd point out South Africa. And Schultz would just laugh. Say, yeah, at least you can find your country. One day, Mike Mansfield was appointed ambassador to Japan. And he, and he called Mike in, he said, and he spun the globe. He said, Mike, locate your country for me. And Mike stopped the globe. And he pointed to the United States of America. He said, that's my country. Now, Schultz used to love to tell that story because with every other ambassador, he said, what Mike was saying is, there's a loyalty I'll have no matter where I am. And that's the views and that's the values I will represent. Now, let me say this to you Christians, only to Christians. Can you locate your country? That's your country. That's your country. No matter where you live, we have a certain obligation to the government that is over us. But Jeremiah 29 says this. 
You live as exiles. Jeremiah 29 says it's your job to build up that place where you live, to create the peace. The Hebrew word here is shalom. Shalom is not just an absence of conflict, just like illness or, or, or health is not just an absence of illness. It's something much more than that. It's something much more positive than that. He said, build that community into something much more positive than just saying no to what's wrong. Build in it what's right. But never, ever forget, that's our country. We owe our government the activity of voting, but we owe our God the content of our voting. Pray with me. Lord, help us without malice or hostility to do the right thing. No matter what the issue, no matter how we feel led by you, help us to vote on the way we feel led by you and the way we think best represents the kingdom of God and the values of Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to contribute whatever we can while we're down here, to build up the place in ways, to serve in ways that, that are, are not only uh, political in nature, but, but good for the community, whether it be um, uh, serving community groups or, or picking up litter. Whatever it may help us to be a blessing to everybody and everybody to be glad that the Christians are here, not just the Christians. But then when we get done, <laughs> let us come into your neighborhood because that's where we belong. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.